Hello and welcome to the Browns Blitz. Today is Thursday, June 17th. I'm your host, Rod Bloom. Joining me today is my brother, Jeff. Hey, Jeff, how's it going? Hey, Rod. Doing okay, other than, you know, the midsummer grass allergy that's kind of got me a little bit uh, clogged up tonight. So yeah. um, I'm, not, I'm not snorting coke or anything if people hear me sniffling. Well, that's good to know. That's good to know. At least not this time. <laughs> uh, joining us today is our guest, Eric Helwig, from the Bring in the Backups podcast and other things. Uh, Eric, how are things going? Rod, Jeff, I'm doing good. And uh, I should let your listeners know, if you hear me sniffling, it's because I can't stop snorting cocaine. I just can't stop. It's the only way I feel. Excellent. That's good to know as well. I also, I, I really like, I re- that was the most graceful way to forget somebody's credits, to be like, he's from the Bringing the Backups podcast and other things. I was, I, I really, I really liked that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, people can follow you. I guess uh, at the uh, bring up the backups. That's at backups pod, and your uh, your main Twitter account is at Eric Helwig. So that and that's Eric with a K, Helwig with two L's. That's um, EK for Eric, just to make sure your listeners go to the right spot. Yeah. So um, yeah, I'm, yeah, I should have said CK. I'm, I'm looking at thinking everybody knows there's a C. There's just an extra K. <laughs> um, is is it, since we're just starting, is, is there anything else you want to plug right off the bat? Because I got to tell you, Eric, I'm not really good at remembering to go back to plugging later in the show. <laughs> That's fair, man. Uh, yeah, just go to my website. It's Eric Helwig, E-R-I-C-K-H-E-L-L-W-I-G. Um, if you, you know, think I'm funny on this podcast, you know, I guess it's, it's to be determined whether or not people will want to follow up with other stuff I've done. But assuming I don't suck for the next hour, uh, you just go to my website and I link to my podcast, my stand updates, all that stuff you can find right there at the website. Yeah. So your, your podcast, you talk obviously about backup quarterbacks and you've done, um, you, I, I don't know how long you've been doing the pod and how, how many pods you've done, but you've talked about some Browns backups because, you know, obviously Browns probably have more backups and more quarterbacks to pick from than any other team. So kind of give us the, uh, a little bit of a rundown there of how, um, you know, how you got the podcast started and, um, you know, how, how you pick the quarterbacks that you pick and, and why you kind of drift towards some of these Browns guys. Yeah, I mean, it's impossible not to drift towards the Browns because you guys are famous. You have a famous jersey of nothing but backup quarterbacks. So I feel like half the backup quarterbacks were like the future of the Browns (laughs) at some point in the last 20 years. This is obviously before Baker showed up. So I think you guys have a natural. To be fair, Eric, those those guys were actually starters here. Everywhere else they may have been backup. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's very true. No, I mean, I – the – the standard I use to choose my backup is they have to have been a backup for longer than they were a starter. So I look at like how many years were they in the NFL? How many years were they starting? If it's less than half, they're in. And just so you know, every single quarterback on that jersey that you guys have qualifies as a backup. 
pretty <laughs> easily too. It's like, yeah, like not even close. Like they all started five games for you and nowhere else. So and then was, they were a backup for like seven years. Yeah, I mean, I look. I found the um, the the two Cleveland guys. I've not done twenty episodes, and the two Cleveland guys I've done are Kelly Holcomb and Charlie Fry. I think there's been other guys who stopped in Cleveland for a little bit, but those guys are like recognizably. I would say Browns before they're anything else. And Kelly Holcomb was just because I liked him. And I remembered that playoff game. I always thought it was like so cool that the backup almost beat, you know, the Steelers in Pittsburgh. Like I was just, I was really rooting for you guys in that game. So I wanted to have him on. And then Charlie Fry was because I was doing a comedy festival in Ohio and I had to put a podcast out. And I realized the day before like, oh, I didn't pick a quarterback for this episode. And then I was like, well, I'm in Akron. Are there any Akron quarterbacks that made the NFL, like from the the local university? And I found Charlie Fry, and I was like, oh, I remember that dude. And then he ended up being like a fun person to kind of research a little bit. He had a fun career. Um, but yeah, that's how I got uh, – that's how, that's how my podcast has de, de facto become like a Browns backup podcast. I didn't mean it to be, but you guys just – it's such a selection bias. Half the league, like I said – Feels like they called you guys home. Yeah, I mean, you could probably get all the Browns quarterbacks covered by like episode one forty, <laughs> something like that. So I want to get Seneca Wallace. I liked him a lot. I remembered him. Yeah. And then uh, you guys had didn't you have that 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 quarterback that was like thirty when he came? I can't remember. It was like Whedon. Was it Brandon Whedon? Brandon Whedon. He started Thank you. for a while. I, yeah. I'm gonna, I, Eric, I'm going to stop you and go back because Jeff, Jeff is a Charlie Fry guy, and, and it's not like like he thinks Charlie Fry should still be starting or anything. But Jeff kind of kind of was a Charlie Fry fan because of him being from the area and that. So I want to give Jeff a chance to to either talk or talk some Charlie Fry or ask you a couple questions about Charlie Fry since you've been researching <laughs> him recently. Sure. Oh man, that's tough. I mean, Charlie was like you said it. He was a fun guy. Um, I, I don't. I no, I don't really have any questions, Rod. <laughs> I just thought you might. I, I wanted to give you a chance, Jeff, because yeah, Jeff, it's good you don't have any questions. It's good Jeff doesn't have any questions because I don't have any answers. When I say I research <laughs> Charlie Fry, I mean I was masturbating, took a break for five minutes, Googled Charlie Fry, read that's, half an article, and went back to masturbating. About as much time as it would take to research him. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, that's the nice part about my podcast is it, it's not like extensive research on anybody. I actually – I just booked – I mean this will be a little bit of spoiler alert if any of your fans end up coming into my pod. But I'm going to be interviewing a guy named Jabron Hamden. He's my first quarterback to come on the show. No quarterback has had the – everybody I've, everybody that I've talked about on the show – I've sent a message to or an email being like, please come on. And I thought Charlie Fry has been liking all the posts that I do, but he hasn't responded to come do the show. But this guy, Jabron Hamden, uh, agreed to do my podcast. I'm interviewing him tomorrow. The episode will come out in like two and a half weeks. But his NFL stats, swear to God, these are his stats. He's one for two for seven yards. And that is so perfect for my podcast. It's like I actually want to build up. I'm only going to – like the second quarterback I have on will have two career completions. The third quarterback will have three. I'm going to build the show as backup-y as I possibly can. But I actually wow. 
I actually thought Charlie Fry was like, I mean, I watched his highlights. The dude could move. I saw him like juke out a couple defensive ends for touchdowns. Like he was a kind of like a scrambler. And it was, the whole thing was like, he, he was bad the season before the Browns had that run with Derek Anderson. And then he started the Derek Anderson season, but he got pulled in like the second quarter after he threw 10 passes. And then Derek Anderson had a pro bowl year. So that was the end of Charlie Fry in Cleveland. But it, it, to be honest, if the team was that much better, they could have been good with him too. I, I feel like it was like he just got a little unlucky with his Cleveland stop, right? Like it seems like he could have gone. It seems like it seems like he could have been the quarterback if they had not just kind of like struck fool's gold with that like six foot eight, slow legged Derek and like they, everybody thought Derek Anderson was going to be like the the next great quarterback. And then he that just promptly everything just came that. together that one season, you know? It, yeah. And it's like, it's one of those things where I think, I don't think Derek Anderson's better than Charlie Fry. I think it's like sometimes a situation emerges in a locker room where guys just are more motivated and like everybody has a career year. Like there's so many factors outside of who the quarterback is at that point, because I think I don't think there's a question like physically, Charlie Fry is like a more gifted athlete than the other dude. Mm. Well, didn't Jeff, didn't they play? Wasn't that the, uh, didn't that season start against the Steelers and Charlie Fry got sacked a bunch of times early. And that's kind of, yeah. uh, that's the way yeah, I remember it. I just remember him kind of door at left tackle. I think. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't have a, he didn't have a chance and he threw a few passes and they pulled him probably in fear. He was going to get just killed back there. And that, that was the end of it. Well, as we were wont to do, we, we kind of threw guys to the wolves, you know, without a heck of a lot of protection or preparation. And, you know, let's see what this guy can do. Yeah. So, Eric, uh, on this show, we like to give the the guest a chance to talk about their their normally their Browns fandom. But I know you're not a Browns fan. You're a football fan and fan of another franchise. So I'd like to give you a little bit of time to just talk about your uh you know, how, how your fandom began, um, you know, as far as being a football fan, a little bit about uh, your journey as as a fan of the franchise that you follow. Sure. I'm a, I'm a big Philadelphia Eagles fan. Uh, have been my whole life. I'm, I've never lived in Philadelphia. I was uh, grew up in a military family. But my father, who's from Philly, did an amazing job of brainwashing slash guilting me into rooting for Philadelphia teams. So there's literally photos of me in Germany at the age of four. I'd never been to America and I'm wearing a Randall Cunningham jersey from like, like I had no choice. I was going to be an Eagles fan that was passed down like a family heirloom. And I can like, when I think of like the first game I ever went to, which was at the old veteran stadium, um, it was the Eagles against the Cardinals. As I remember, it was back when the Cardinals were in that NFC East yeah, man, I just I kind of fell in love with that, not just the team, even though the team was not great for most of the time I was young. I kind of fell in love with the way the games felt, which was, you know, my grandparents still lived in Philly. We'd go visit once or twice a year and always catch a game. And the fans were just insane. Like people would get into fist fights and like you would it's see like old, old ladies were willing to like punch men in the face if they were wearing the hat of the other team. Like it was really my dad used to make the joke when you sit in the 700 section at the vet, 
you get multiple sports. You get football, you get boxing, you get wrestling. Like I remember seeing a grown man thrown down a flight of stairs when I was like eight. My dad being like, get him. <laughs> so it was like really intense. Uh, but I also feel like it just kind of made me like so diehard for Philly that even though I've continued to move around a lot in my life and have a bunch of teams that I could, I think, claim easier than the Eagles, places I've lived for a lot longer since I've lived in Philly for zero years. Um, I just feel like my fanship is forged in like flames of like passion and, you know, booing Santa Claus and all that stereotypical stuff about Philly fans. It's like, I can't escape it. Like, it's just, it's too big a part of me. It would feel like betraying my father <laughs> and my like yeah. and my name if I were to even consider like rooting for the Rams now that I live in LA. Like it's just too late for me. I'm a Philly fan, you know, till death. That's the way it should be. Honestly, whatever franchise you follow, uh, you, you should stick with that franchise. And I think most people respect that. You know, that, that's that's how it's supposed to be. It, it's it's I do think it's how it it should be. I mean. I've lived, I will say, like I lived in New York for 11 years after college, and I've lived now in L.A. for three years. And I, while there are diehard fans of New York and L.A. teams, I find there's a lot of fair-weather sports fans in those cities, like people that are with the team when they're good or abandon the team when they're bad, hence nobody wearing Knicks shit for the last 20 years. But, like, I do – I one thing I like about Philly was, like, we would go to games even when the team sucked and the stadium was mostly sold out. I mean, it was sold out to boo the team, but to me, <laughs> there was something really cool about that, that I, I would, I traveled enough to go. I'm just trying to think of an example. Like I went to, I lived in South Carolina and we went to a couple Panthers games when the Panthers sucked and the stadium's like a third empty. I remember going to like living in DC and when the Redskins were bad, Oh, I said it. Oops. When the Washington team of football players currently residing in Washington, D.C. were playing, um, the stadium was like 60% Eagles fans. I'm like, this is a rivalry game. Who would sell their season tickets to the other team? Like, that's so crazy to me. And like, and to also like just being from Philly, I'm like, man, when the Eagles were playing the Cowboys, to show up in a Cowboys hat, like you're really taking your life in your hands. Like you could be... Uh It's reasonable to assume you're going to get, at the very least, stuff thrown on you. But, like, I just remember being an Eagles fan in, you know, whatever FedEx Field, you know, in Maryland where the Redskins play and being like, I feel way too comfortable here. This is great. Like, I should not be as comfortable booing their team in their stadium as I am. So that's something I respected about Philly was like, I feel like they kept their home field advantage, uh, home field advantage by like being a actual passionate fan base, not just when the team is good. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned Randall Cunningham. I think everybody liked Randall Cunningham when he kind of came into prominence because he was so much different from anybody playing at that you know, at that time and, and the things that he could do. And, you know, not that everybody was rooting for the Eagles, but just seeing a guy play quarterback the way he did. And I mean, there's there's guys that they're not playing exactly the way Randall did, but um, he was just a lot of fun to watch back then. Oh, no, I would put I think the all time 
career highlights reels, if you're ranking them, I think it goes Randall Cunningham. I think very close behind it is Barry Sanders. And then I would put like Lawrence Taylor. 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 <laughs> I would put Lawrence Taylor three. Like you can watch those highlights at any point and just feel like you're watching. It just feels like a character in Madden where like somebody just yeah. has 50 points more on every single skill set than the guy they're going <laughs> up against. They're like Randall Cunningham is just he's clearly the fastest person on the field. He's clearly the best athlete on the field. Clearly has the strongest arm, one of the strongest arms in the NFL, can make every throw, can do everything. It's I mean, it's such a it's such like a unfulfilled promise that he never really I don't think he ever won a playoff game in Philly. I think the only games they won were when he was injured and like I remember Rodney Pete won a game one time. Yeah, it, was, it, it was felt weird. like it felt like the Eagles like they were just such a compelling team and then every time the playoffs came around, especially with that defense, it was like something in the off something happened with the offense where the wheels came off right as the playoffs were starting every year. And uh, it, it then, you know, they got, you know, we could go to McNabb becoming quarterback, and then they went to four or, I guess, five uh, NFC championship games, four consecutive at one point, and only went to one Super Bowl and lost. And you're like, it just felt like we were never going to get to the place we needed to go. And then, obviously, the one year we do it, it's with the damn backup quarterback. I mean, wh- why else would I start a show about backup That's quarterbacks? perfect for you, yeah. It's so yeah. perfect for my show. I mean, it's what I – I think in Philly there's a real thing for the backup quarterback anyway. I mean, I can't compare our list of backups to yours, but we're close. I mean, we had a lot of guys come through there in the 90s. Up until McNabb was quarterback, I mean, it was a little bit of a revolving door, I would say, in Philly as well. So I, I always found the city had a real affinity for, like, the underdog and the guy that was going to get a shot for the first time. So – it felt very natural when I was thinking about what I was going to do a podcast about. I mean, I, I, I watch backup quarterback highlights on YouTube all the time. You know, I'm like, let's let's see what kind of throws Cleo Lemon was making. <laughs> like nobody like I, I watch a lot of YouTube videos for football players that have 38 views and half of them are mine because I'm, <laughs> I'm obsessed <laughs> with people that like played in the NFL in meaningless games for like a season and a half, you know. Yeah. So I, to me, it was an easy, it was an easy uh, concept to turn into a podcast. Yeah. So who's your, who's your, uh, who's your dream guest if you could get a backup quarterback? I assume you have some kind of a list of, of guys that you either want to talk about, you know, or, or who, who's the guy you'd love to have on your show? Tom Brady's brother, Jack Brady. No, I'm no, I'm kidding. I, I would get. Uh, I would get Coy Detmer, I think, would be pretty. I loved Coy Detmer. Do you guys remember Coy Detmer? That, probably not. I know the name, but yeah. Don't well, you might know Ty Detmer because I believe he was one of your guys, was he not? He was, yeah. Yeah, so oh, Absolutely, it, he's on the list. So Coy Detmer was Ty Detmer's less successful backup quarterback younger brother. So picture how unsuccessful Ty Detmer's NFL career was and then picture somebody less successful than that. That, by that, 10. Was, that was my favorite guy. He was on the Eagles for there was one season. I mean, you guys will appreciate this. Your brothers with a, a highly successful podcast with millions of listeners. Um, of course. Ty Detmer and Coy Detmer were backups on the same team on the Eagles in 96, I believe. 
So the, I think I can't remember who the starter was that year. It was you know whoever somebody that sucked. But then Ty Detmer was the second string, and Coy Detmer was the third string. Now, how would now here's here's a question: How would you guys handle that if you're on a football team and someone's got to be second string and someone's got to be third string? How would the sibling rivalry work itself out? You just got to go out there and compete. It's just how it is. Yeah, no, I I think I'd just knock him out and go play. There you go, Jeff. Yeah. That might have worked when I was like in fifth grade and Jeff was in high school. But yeah, but I've always been bigger, so not a problem. <laughs> Fight, fight, <laughs> fight, 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 fight. The, fight. the fighting stopped about twenty years ago, Eric. <laughs> did you guys? Did you guys? I never, I never fit. I'm old. How much older am I than my brother? I think I'm thirty-five. He just turned thirty, so I'm like almost six years older than him. Um, I we're, never. We're, we're in that same general area. Yeah, I never, I never like actually tried to beat him up because if I had tried, I would have put him through a wall. Like he was a scrawny kid. So we, like, did you guys ever like really fight? Like well, really? Well, let me fall? let me tell you a story, Eric. Here's here's what happened when we were young. Uh, you know, we we weren't super super poor or anything, but we you know we had an old box of toys, and in that box we had we had a set of boxing gloves, and it was just one set of boxing gloves. <laughs> so we would box and and you know we're both right-handed and jeff was older jeff always took the right-handed glove <laughs> me the left and then he beat well, the crap out of me you you needed to work on your your offhand i was doing you a favor well i mean it, it can't you know when i had uh when i had rotator cuff surgery about 10 years ago you know i was glad i was able to do a few things with my left hand so actually it helped there you, so, yeah. there you go there you go. See, that's a, good old, that's a good older brother. But way to reframe your destruction of your younger brother later in life. Yeah. <laughs> character. That's right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, me and my brother, we used to – the most we would fight, and it's, I'm putting that in quotes, which you can't tell because we turned off the video on Skype. But um, we would watch uh, WWE because I, I, at my age – I was like right for the WWE attitude era, which was Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Rock and The Undertaker and all those guys. And so we would just set up pillows and then like do wrestling moves for hours and hours and hours. And I would let my brother, I would let my brother win, but I would oftentimes like name him as like female wrestlers to try to get under his skin. That was the worst I think I teased him. Is like I would be the rock and I would like he would come out for his like we would do our like announcer walk down to the ring. And I would make him Lita, and he would get really mad. This is very, by the way, insider. It's like this is only going to work if people know WWE superstars from the early 2000s. But if you do, I made my brother Lita for about two years, and it really pissed him off. It's <laughs> great. And by the way, I really like how we're getting you to open up on this podcast. Who me? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, this is this is nothing, dude. If you listen to my show, I'm like, uh, I'm like, I think I'm gay. Like, I open up every week. Like, I I hold nothing back. I feel like that's the way to go. Uh, no, but I mean, I don't know. I, I'm always like, when I go on other people's podcasts, like, like, am I allowed to tell people what's on the docket for the show? I don't want to be a spoiler alert here. But you were like, uh, some people like really like to get into the the nitty gritty of sports. Like when I do a sports podcast. 
some people are like me and they're just kind of like making shit up. Like my podcast involves almost no research. It's just me being like, I think that guy never got a shot. That's not based on anything I know about football. It's just like a feeling in my stomach that comes out of my mouth that is based in nothing. But like some people are like, let's talk about OTAs and practice and what was the team move doing with this roster move? I'm like, I have no ability to play mini ESPN. So I'm like, all I have is all I have is my personal stories and my problems. So if I can't talk about that, I can't talk about anything. So, uh, yeah, you'll always get an open book when uh, when booking me on your show. Well, we, we dig in occasionally, but, you know, we've got we've got months, you know, to to get into roster breakdowns and all that stuff. So <laughs> well, we're just, uh, it's the perfect time to have like a, a shitty stand up on your show. <laughs> nothing's happening. This, this is what we call June entertainment. Yeah, I thought, I thought, let's get that Eric guy on. This should be fun. <laughs> hey, like, maybe we should just, yeah, I'm, booking me is usually the thought after someone considers not doing the podcast for a month. Like, maybe we take a break. Maybe I don't do the podcast ever again. Oh, I guess I have to book someone. Who's someone I know will be available? <laughs> how about that comic <laughs> that I talked to on Twitter six months ago? That's usually how I get booked. It's been effective for me. I'll take it. <laughs> well, you know, I, I was actually on vacation last week, Eric. So, so uh, I came back. I've, I have been watching Browns minicamp, so I feel like I've, I'm kind of caught up on stuff. But, you know, I thought this would be a great way to kind of just wade back in a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. just kind of have some fun, talk a little bit of Browns, uh, you know, have fun listening to your uh, um, to your experiences with your show and everything. So, um, but, but Jeff, let's... Uh, Let's go to another topic. Do you want to talk a little bit about uh, minicamp, or do you want to talk about the article I wrote? Well, um, you know, minicamp has been pretty uneventful. Um, but let's, yeah, let's let's wade through that real quick. Yeah, I've got, you know, I've got just a few things that I that I I made some notes. You know, we pretty much go unscripted here, but just you know, just some thoughts. I mean, for me, the uh, the Browns minicamp, I just, you know, I, I like the tone of it. These guys are just, uh, they're having fun. These guys feel comfortable. Um, seems like they're being real smart, um, you know, just kind of going half speed and doing the seven on sevens and, you know, not, they're trying to be really, really careful that nobody gets hurt, you know, which is smart. I, you know, you don't care how much guys learn if they miss the season. <laughs> well, yeah, that's counterproductive. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that and you know the other uh, other parts of the news were the you know talking about the contracts, the contract extensions that they've been discussed for for Baker and Chubb and Ward. Um, you know, it's kind of seeing how the new guys did in, in rookie camp and in this mini camp. Um, you know, the the uh, the free agent guys and the uh, and the. You know, the guys they just drafted, obviously. Um, it's looking at the recovery and where guys, where some of these guys stand, OBJ, Greedy, and Grant Delpit. Um, they're all out there doing something, um, those three guys. So, you know, it, we, we have hope. Um, we've been hearing different things and stuff. So to see them all out there at least running around, you know, at least, you know, you kind of feel like, yeah, you know, there, there's a chance. That, that these guys could either be ready at the beginning of the season or, or at least contribute this season. But to me, the biggest 
news and the biggest question of, of training camp was um, who has bigger arms, Nick Chubb or Miles Garrett? <laughs> it's really hard to tell because they both they both look like they've just spent the last what four or five months in the gym. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pretty crazy. I, I thought Miles busting out of that suit on draft night was was pretty impressive. But uh, Eric, you'll get you'll enjoy this. Um, Jadavian Clowney made the statement the other day um, that he may finally have someone on the defensive line uh, opposite him who is as good a physical specimen as him and, and, and can play as well as he does. <laughs> He's talking about Miles Garrett. He said yeah. that with a straight face. Thought, he said that with a straight face. Yeah, I thought that was good. <laughs> Wait a second. Did, wasn't he on the team with J.J. Watt? Yes. Last, last season, yeah. That's insane. What an, that's an yeah. insane thing to say. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm not, that's no offense to Miles Garrett, but like JJ Watt might be one of the best defensive players to ever live. Like he's up there with like, he's like with Reggie White. Like that's so crazy. I ah, mean, people's egos. That's insane. I want to <laughs> answer one of your questions though. I think Miles Garrett uh, is a little more jacked than Nick Chubb, and part of that is like his workout routine. I don't know if you guys know the best thing you can do for your biceps is to swing another player's helmet as hard as you can at the top of their forehead. It's actually Ouch. the best way to get some definition in the arms. It's nice builder. So I'll go with that. <laughs> Might be so a little sore subject. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Miles, uh, I don't think oh, there's a, a muscle on Miles' uh, body that's not jacked right now. Do you guys, I mean, you guys, how old are you guys? I'm curious. Ancient. We're, Ancient. we're way older than you. So do yeah. you, do you struggle with the idea of like, of them changing um, like OTAs and mini camps to be like very safe for players as far as like hydration and stuff like that? Because I was watching this movie on ESPN a while ago. It was about Bear Bryant and like, this movie's maybe 20 years old, and it's before he was at Alabama. I think he was at, like, Texas Tech or something, and it's this movie where they're out in the sun, like, and he's, like, running a summer camp. And the movie could have been called Water is for Pussies. Like, that's basically the yeah. whole movie is, like, you're not allowed to drink water or you're gay. And he almost right. kills, like, 13 kids, and they're all 17. And then the movie – the movie's not, like – and look how wrong it is. The movie's, like, and this guy – look at this guy's a genius – and it's just him trying to kill kids the whole time. So I'm wondering, <laughs> I'm wondering what your how you guys feel when you think of the game that you watched. You know, all the teams had cooler uniforms, but no CTE protection, and water was gay. How do you feel about that compared to what it looks like now? <laughs> well, well, you know, everything evolves, Eric. Um, you know, I'm I'm into old cars. Um, they didn't have seat belts back in the day. They didn't have analog brakes. They didn't, you know, a lot of, a lot of things weren't in cars and cars were a lot of fun. Now, um, I still like driving them, but, um, you know, I'll take today's safety features over what we had back then, um, any day. So yeah, I get it. It, it. it was, it was pound your chest manly, you know, when you, when you survived, um, uh, two a days in high school, you know, Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Kids, kids threw up, you know, all, all day long, you know, to lose weight and get in shape and stuff. I mean, I think 
Well, the sort of the net of Rod's article is teams have learned, and, and especially over the last you know 15 months or so, teams have learned how to um, accomplish the same sorts of things, not only without all that, that physical exertion, exertion, but remotely. You know, so we, we've we've kind of gone past um, the 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 idea that you have to go out and physically prove yourself in training camp. Um, we know what these guys are. It's interesting. Like I remember, uh, I was listening. My I watch a lot of because uh, my dad was in the army. He went to West Point, so I'm a big army football fan. And uh, there's nothing more beautiful than a triple option offense run efficiently, guys. And uh, I was listening to the army coach, and he was talking about like how they take care of the players' nutrition and they keep them hydrated, and it's all about like learning during like the the mini camp stuff and this is at the army and i remember my dad telling me stories about like how he would get ready for his sporting when he was at west point and they were like yeah they basically like throw us under the the wheels of a truck and whoever survived gets to start the next week like it just was so different like it was like it really i don't know how to describe it as anything other than abuse but yeah like i just think it gets so not funny is not the right word but it's it's always jarring to me and i'm always curious how people um, take that change because I know there's like the stereotypical like oh, well, they put dresses on them now and then there's like <laughs> the people that are a little more willing to like let the thing evolve and become a little safer and yeah you know it's it's a it's a it's a given given pull with that I guess all right well I'll, I'll say this as a guy who picked Saquon Barkley in the first round of his fantasy draft last year I, I want to see these guys play so and and they are they're bigger, faster, stronger. Uh, you know they can kill each other out there. So uh, you know whatever it takes to keep these guys safe. And, and that's not even looking at the the money aspect of it. You know how much money these guys make and how much you know how much um, money you know is resp- You know it comes about from them playing and everything else. So um, so yeah, I think uh, I think. Playing it safe so that hopefully these guys can can play more games versus being hurt more often. It it just makes sense. I think um, you I think you hit it with the money. I think it always comes down to that. There's so much more invested. Yeah. Like like now, like when somebody wins the Super Bowl, they're like, "Where are you going? I'm going to Disney World." It used to be like in Super Bowl one, it'd be like, "Where are you going?" And you're like, "I'm going to my job building skyscrapers with right. no connection and eating lunch on a beam 90 stories above New York City." Like yeah. everybody had other like you you made like $7 being an NFL player. So yeah, I think now it's like because there's so much invested. It's not like a care in anybody's well-being. It's like it's protecting investments. You're right. You're right. And back then, you know, if a guy got hurt, yeah, he wasn't as big of an investment and there were other guys that just jump in. You know, they just yeah. have a tryout and bring somebody else in. And um, there weren't as many big names, I don't think, way, way back then. So, um, you know, they, they weren't as careful with the guys. Of course, guys were tougher then, too. I mean, look at the pictures of Otto Graham playing with, with his mouth busted up and everything else. Um, oh, yeah. I still, th- I still think they were tougher back then. Well, they yeah, they had to be. Look, my grandfather survived Normandy, and he talked about it once. And my wife takes photos of tacos before she eats them. So, like, it's no – I'm not trying to hate on the new generation, but, like, let's be real. None of us measure up to the shit that people had to do, like, 60 years ago. <laughs> like, wow. every, it's, it's not even close. It's not even close. 
No, no, not at all. So anyway, anyway, keep, keep talking about OTAs. I took us away. My bad. <laughs> no, you're fine. I, you know, I, I just really like, um, I really like just the way the guys, the way the guys sound. Um, these guys are all, you know, and, and like I said in the article, you probably see this on every team and everything, but it just feels different for the Browns. The guys complimenting each other and guys really seem like they're having fun and, and forming friendships and, and uh, you know, kind of building like a family type atmosphere that, that the kind of thing you need on, you know, on a, a team that's, that's go- going to try to go somewhere. Uh, but I, I want to go back to what you're talking about with, um, with the, uh, with the, with the training and everything, Jeff, and, and the, the Browns and the NFL finding the, that uh, they can get to the same place by doing other things with these Skype meetings and guys training on their own. I don't know. I don't know if you heard um, Joel Batonio's um, presser. It, it would have been, it was yesterday, but he talked about how working out on his own, uh, you know, and not having to come to the facility and, and not having to, to come to, you know, to OTAs and, and, to all these different things, you know, not having everything be mandatory before uh, before you get to training camp, that he doesn't have to try to peak like three or four different times through the year. That it's right. better for him to train, only having to peak, you know, kind of near mini camp and then for training camp. Huh. And it kind of makes sense, especially you know if you're an offensive lineman. I mean, because a lot of these guys, an offensive lineman, they're these guys. I know what uh, I know what Joe Thomas used to do. Joe Thomas lost a lot of weight in the off season, and then he would bulk back up before the season. So I don't know if all these guys do that, but imagine trying to do that several times through the season versus just doing it once or twice. And you know, in the rest right. of the year, you're still working out and and trying to stay in shape, probably. But you're not trying to be at your playing weight, um, you know, three or four different times through the season, through throughout the course of a year. Right. It goes back to that lunch pail and, you know, going to my real job in the off season thought, um, you know, these, these guys are 12 months out of the year committed to their physical health and well-being. Um, and they're learning that um, the body needs time to recover as well. You, you can't just, you know, hit the weight room every day for 12 months and expect to grow. You know, it, there, there has to be a balance. And I think Treader, J.C. Treader, has been a really strong advocate for um, eliminating a lot of the contact early on. He says, you know, they they proved it last year that um, injuries declined last year um, during the regular season as a result of guys not getting beat up so much um, in training camp and in, in OTAs. So, like I said, it's just, it's just the NFL evolving like everything else. Yeah, I mean, he's caught some grief for it, but he but he's right. So it's just, uh, you know, I think it's how it's going to be. So what do you guys think about adding that extra game? And, Jeff, we may have talked about this, but what do you guys think about playing 17 games? I think it's going to be awesome. I mean, the the only thing is, like, I mean, I guess the concern is people will get injured more, but they cut out, didn't they cut out a preseason game or two? Right, that's the trade-off. Yeah. Yeah, and I... I They're doing two this season? Uh, I three, no. 
They're doing three. I mean, look, three I always season games. Yeah, I always love the preseason games just because it's a chance. It's like you're watching the XFL by game four. Like no, no nobody's actually going to be in the <laughs> yeah. NFL. So I actually find that very interesting. I like, I think it's fascinating watching like on a professional field. There's usually a couple quarterbacks that like can't throw a 15 yard out route. And it just feels like I'm, it looks like I'm watching me play with my friends. So I, it's like, I think, Oh, maybe I could be on the Eagles. Like, you well, know, you're looking for guys to be on your show at that point, too. Exactly. No, it <laughs> really is. And I'm also like, I also have like a fantasy. Like, if you could take out the death part of this, this is going to sound like something a sociopath would say. But let's just say something happened where, like, do you remember uh, that movie, We Are Marshall, where, like, the plane crashes and yeah. the whole football yeah. team dies, and then they have to play, like, nothing but, like, under like underweight freshmen that year? Yep. Mm-hmm. yep. It's like there's something – kind of that would be cool not if everybody died but let's just say everybody got COVID (laughs) all at once and but survived it and like all like for one season the Raiders were nothing but their fourth string players like that would that would be fun for me like they would immediately become my favorite team so there's there's something cool to me about the preseason where I'm thinking of like uh uh Colt Brennan isn't it just a quarterback because he just passed away but like the guy from hawaii that i loved watching in college uh when he was with the redskins for two years like lit up the preseason he literally threw like eight touchdowns and no no picks he would just dominate in the preseason it's the best time to dream on guys you know and it's also like it's 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 different because you're like oh the the only guys that are gonna get hurt and it's gonna be bad for them really are the guys that have a lot of money the guys that are trying to make the team. That preseason game is important. Like that's that's their audition for not just that team, but the rest of the league. Right. So I would I would say like seventeenth game is cool. Whatever, it's a chance for the owners to make more money. I'd love to see them use that money to like pay for healthcare for the players or something to make it a little more ethical to have them going out there and playing another competitive game every year. But. Uh, yeah, I, like as a fan, I think it's great. You know, as a human being, you know, it's probably I'm sure they're doing it in a fucked up way that I don't support. <laughs> and, I will, and I will kind of and I will kind of miss watching dudes with no chance to ever actually be in the NFL get to be on an NFL team for a little bit. True. Yeah, nobody likes think- nobody likes the preseason games. Like, I don't know. I, I get. I never. I never miss a game for the Eagles. I always watch their preseason. I like. I think I probably watch the preseason games more attentively than I watch uh, the regular season. It's just so. To me, it's so much fun. Those are the, those are the guys that are like so excited to be there. You know. Well, you're right. Yeah, for some of those guys, it's the only time they're ever going to get to to wear an NFL uniform. Yeah, and people, it's like it's like, people act like they suck too, and it's like those those scrubs that never make an NFL roster would still beat the living crap out of you if you talked back to them at a bar. Like they're still huge <laughs> dudes. They just they just well, yeah. suck, like in comparison to like the greatest players in the world, but they're still like the third greatest players, and like they're still incredible athletes. But yeah, like I don't know, I've, I I don't know, I've, I I have a joke where I talk about football players and being like anytime I call a football player injury prone, I remember the time I farted and threw out my back. And that's a true story. It's like, <laughs> who are we to ever criticize these 
amazing men at any point, even the ones playing in the fourth preseason game. They are incredible athletes. And also, if they were playing in the 1950s, they would be like, they would they they would kill Otto Graham. They would be the greatest players in the NFL. Like it's just that like they happen to be born at a time where there's a million other people that are also that athletic. But yeah, I don't know. I find it very compelling. I uh, I'll miss the fourth preseason game. I feel like I'm the only one pouring one out for the fourth preseason game. But I think it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, well, the fourth I- preseason game. We just always hope that we survive it without a major injury. <laughs> I hope you yeah. get nothing but injured and then the fourth string players have to band together and it becomes like <laughs> one of those that movie right. with Keanu Reeves and stuff where they all got to figure out you know there's like a there's like, like a there's a kicker that doesn't speak English and there's a receiver with one hand like that's fun like to me that's what it's <laughs> like a, a ragtag group of people that now all of a sudden those are the cardinals we saw yeah. some of that last year with COVID. I mean, the Broncos starting a wide receiver at quarterback who oh, was I on loved the practice it. squad the week before. And, I watched that game know, twice. We, it was so We great. lost our entire <laughs> receiver room. What was, was that the, the Jets game, Rod, that we lost our entire receiver room? Yeah, I think it was the Jets Positive game. COVID tests. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, that's fair. yeah, you know, yeah. The, hey, you're right. There's these guys have to be ready to step up, right? <laughs> I'll tell yeah. you, the even the even better, the even better one, because like I love college football because I you really get huge underdogs. You know, when it's like you know, I don't know, Oklahoma is playing the Citadel or something, and they're like eighty point underdogs. <laughs> but like to me, this last college football season was so great because you'd have those games, and then somebody like three or four dudes from some big school would all like, you know, have an orgy with some prostitutes and they'd all get COVID and lie about it. (laughs) And then all of a sudden the Citadel's in it at halftime. Like it was, it was such a great evening. (laughs) It was such an evening out of the, like the talent in college football. I feel like there were upsets every week. Like I loved it. Didn't, you know, I don't love millions of people dying, but one of the nice things from COVID was, uh, I felt like, this, all of a sudden, things that don't don't really matter that much, or I should say, like as much as they used to, like team discipline, like not like 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 paying attention to team curfew, all of a sudden became the most important thing to your team having success. Like if you could just not go out and get blown by people with COVID, you could win a championship. <laughs> like right. if you could just control your urges. <laughs> that was like the whole thing with the NBA bubble was like, who will get a prostitute in there first? Who's going to sneak somebody <laughs> through the fucking through the sewers into their hotel and whatever <laughs> team could stave that off the longest really had a chance of doing something in the bubble. So, right. yeah, I I really liked that, like human element of the game now was was kind of like reintroduced in a in a, you know, horrifying, but still if we're honest, funny way. Yeah. Yeah. So, so guys, we've gone in two seasons, uh, two seasons ago, there were four preseason games and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but two seasons ago, at least for the Browns, the starters played hardly at all. Okay. So, you know, that was, it was under a different regime, but the, the thought was to keep these guys safe and not let them get hurt and just let them play a tiny little bit and, you know, they'd be ready. 
then we went to last season where there weren't any preseason games because of COVID. Now we've got three preseason games. How do you guys think the average NFL team is going to play this for the three preseason games with their starters and backups? How do you think it breaks down? Jeff, Jeff. you go first, man. Jeff gets first on this. <laughs> I don't think it changes, really. I mean, um, this, the focus is still on getting prepared for the real games, right? Games that matter. And, you know, the, I think the, what's funny about it is when Freddie Kitchens was not playing guys, you know, he was an idiot for not doing it, for, for, for approaching it that way. And, you know, out of necessity last year, nobody played and the, everything was hunky-dory. So, yeah. you know what? I don't think it matters. I, I think, you know, it's, it's about the talent you have and, and how healthy people stay and how the team gels and all that that determine your success, not, you know, who beats the shit out of each other in preseason games. Right. The interesting thing to me about the, the new schedule is, you know, with, with, the, with it being a 17-game schedule, there's going to be some imbalance in the schedule. You know, um, home and away is thrown out of, out of kilter because some teams will have that 17th game away and the other half of them at, uh, will have them at home. Um, you'll play an, an out-of-division team that your in-division team or uh, in-division rivals may not play. Um, there's all kinds of interesting things, dynamics that will happen with strength of schedule by going to an odd number of regular season games. And that'll be yeah. curious to see how that how they use use that um, to reward bad and good team or reward bad teams and penalize good teams going forward. So what, do you, what do you expect, Eric? I'll tell you I'll tell you exactly what I expect and I'll make I'll make it specific to your guys's team. Your third-string quarterback is a guy named Kyle Laletta. It looks like he's 26 years old. He was drafted by the Giants in the fourth round in 2018. He was also on the practice squads for the Eagles and the Falcons. I think you rest Baker. Uh, you rest Case Keenum, old suitcase Keenum, and you let Kyle Laletta start the three games in the preseason. And then uh, you just let him start the whole season as well, and you win the Super Bowl with Kyle Laletta. That's what I'm calling. <laughs> I think this guy's got unrealized potential. No one's given him a chance. Will the Browns be strong enough in, in spirit to give this guy the opportunity he so richly deserves? He played quarterback at the University of Richmond. Okay, he's they were the Richmond Spiders. That sounds like a minor league baseball team. I mean, I don't know how much more likable <laughs> this guy could be. Kyle Laletta wins the Super Bowl for the Browns. I'll bet my house on it right now. Yeah, some people liked him coming out of college. <laughs> those, people were, those people were right. Everybody else was wrong. Kyle Laletta is going to make this team. Suitcase Keenum can hit the bricks. Laletta's getting second string by the end of the preseason. And look, Baker throws an incomplete pass. I think he's going to get the Derek Anderson treatment all over again. I think Kyle Laletta comes in and takes this team to the promised land. <laughs> He could be the biggest biggest story since Don Strzok coming out of retirement <laughs> to help us 35 years ago. There you go, man. Look, that would, I, that would be huge. I no, he was well, like the fourth, they, fourth or fifth quarterback that year. It, let me give a real answer real quick. I think they're going to uh, partition people's workload out in the beginning of the season more. That's what I think. And I think the idea of like the, the, just to take like uh, Nick Chubb, I mean, I just think you're going to see running backs in the beginning – 
even guys who were like what you would call workhorses are going to be have like 50 50 uh loads with second and third string running backs i think they're going to do that and i think coaches are going to save up for a push in week 16 or i guess week 18 now 17 18 that last 17th game i right. think you'll see a lot more um yeah, you'll see just people like really taking it easy in the beginning and trying to kind of like LeBron-esque manage their energy and their minutes. Right. There's yeah. only there's only, you know, there's only have- so many bullets in the chamber. You can only get hit as hard as someone can hit you <laughs> so many times right. until your ribs just explode or you can't take it anymore. So like, yeah, I mean, it, it switching out the preseason game for the regular season game, it's obviously way more stress on the guys playing to do one more real game than the, the BS that goes into a, a preseason game that I happen to like a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So if you guys were going to, to pick an over, over under, let me say uh, three quarters uh, in the preseason over under um, three quarters. Um, how many, how many quarters will these starters play and i said three quarters i probably should say well let's say um let's say three and a half quarters that probably makes it easier for you guys what do you think jeff um i think in the 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 exception to to this will be um the couple positions on defense where they're really trying to figure out who the starters will be um uh tackle and all the linebacker positions um, yeah, I'm those talking guys, about the guys who have a job. Yeah, you know, I mean, otherwise, you know, on, on, on offense, we pretty much know who the starters are, and there's there's really not a lot of mystery in terms of you know who's going to be on the team. Um, I think those guys play pretty sparingly, and they probably just try to work some stuff in in the first quarter, and then pretty quick you're going to see a bunch of young guys, you know, that, that are battling for the the last five special team spots on the roster. Yeah. You agree, Eric? Under uh, three and a half? Yeah, no, I, I agree with, um, with Jeff. I didn't hear the question. My wife texted me, what are we eating for dinner? Can you say <laughs> I just say, give, give us an, I, if I set the over under at three and a half quarters, um, do you think starters uh, play over under for the three preseason games this year? Oh, what Jeff said. No, now that I know the question, I think what Jeff said is true. I would say, I would guess under. Yeah, I, yeah. I would guess it's no more than three quarters. I'd be surprised yeah. if, it's, if it's even that much on most teams. So, yeah, I agree. All right. Well, um, I tell you guys what I think. I think we're going to wrap things up. So. So Eric, let let's plug your stuff once again. Oh, you remembered, Rod. You yeah. remembered. Yeah. <laughs> well, you said in the beginning you don't remember usually, so I feel I feel I, honored I that I'm all the time. But I've you know I've got a little bit of a rested brain coming off of vacation, and I actually actually <laughs> pulled it off. Where did you Where did you take a vacation to? Uh, we went to we were in Siesta Key for a week. Where well, I don't even know where that is. Siesta it's in, Key. in Florida on the Gulf side. Mm, so like Key West and then Siesta Keys the other side. Um, yeah, it's down in that general area. Yeah. Gotcha. I used to do uh, Daytona Beach in uh, in college. We do spring break down there. 
nice. we did Daytona Beach, we did Cocoa Beach. I never got down to Key West though. That was that was another like Florida's huge. I feel like it's another twenty five hours to drive down past Miami, right? It, it's like it's like far. yeah, yeah. No, people don't realize that the top of Florida and the bottom of Florida is five times as wide as the United States. It's a very <laughs> <laughs> it's a huge drive. It's they don't draw it to proportion on maps. <laughs> yeah, and it's still smaller than Georgia. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's crazy, right? The thing people don't realize that Florida is thirty-five times the size of Alaska, but that that is a fact, and people should remember it from listening to this podcast. Look, if you want to if you want to find me, then you want to find my my hilarious podcast where I talk about quarterbacks like Kyle Laletta. Um, you, uh, just go to any podcast, uh, you know, Apple podcast, Spotify, and just type in, bring in the backups. It'll pop up. And then if you want to follow my standup or follow me on social media, I'm at Eric Helwig on all the platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and you can go again, go to my website for all of this, erichelwig.com. And I obviously just like you guys really appreciate, um, Anytime I can go on somebody's show and promote and that you guys are sharing, you know, me with your audience and anybody that is liking the liking my appearance uh, appearance on your pod, definitely come over and check out my stuff. I'd love to have you as a listener. Absolutely. Jeff, do you have any closing words for us tonight? Well, I just want to say that I, you know, I'm really thrilled that um, Eric had has um, no material other than Kyle Loletta. <laughs> from the Browns for the last like two or three seasons. And then we finally, finally broke that cycle. <laughs> finally, you guys cover the things that people want to hear about. They want to know that Kyle Aletta has zero touchdowns and one interception <laughs> for his yeah. career yeah. for now, but he's, he's coming. He's, he's coming. Uh, he's on the come up. I'm telling you, let's, let's, you let's hope you have nothing more to say about Kyle Lalette at the end of, at the end of this season. He started. We'll be very happy. Three seasons at Richmond guys, get a load of these numbers. He threw 73 touchdowns to 35 interceptions for quarterback rating of 151.4. I mean, and just because Richmond was playing against teams that had someone that looked like me playing cornerback is not enough (laughs) reason to not invest your full future in Kyle Lalette. I love Baker Mayfield, but trade him now for what you can get him. I'd sign this guy to a lifetime contract. Let's go. <laughs> it's a real deal. He really deal. is. He really Bring is. Bring in the backup. <laughs> always. That's right. The backup has always been the most popular player in Cleveland. <laughs> Bring in the backups. He just quoted your uh, – I, I think that was unintentional, too. That's the name of your show. Excellent. <laughs> was it intentional, Jeff? Did you mean to do that? Uh, who, who knows what goes on inside my brain? <laughs> You're a wild man. That's <laughs> crazy. It's crazy. Been great talking to you guys. We're going to uh, close shop. This has been the Browns Blitz. Thanks for listening. We will catch you next time.